Uh, Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. I hate you. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just when we search, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one car. It is a Wednesday, the 26th of the... Ju- oh, shit. Fuck. Oh, oh <laughs> no. Boo. 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 <laughs> Wednesday, the 26th of the July. Uh, welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And I'm coming to you all the way from Montreal. In fact, we're in three very distinct time zones this morning. Very early in the morning for Mike Hell, our producer. Uh, very early in the morning in Montreal here for me and Charlie. It's late night in uh, Byron Bay for me. Like, AFL may not be an international game, but this is certainly an international podcast. Well, here's the thing. I know we joke about this, but I said a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I was like, oh, well, you know, I gave a shout out to my Montreal shows. And I said, you know, for the very, very Mm. tiny demographic of people who live in Montreal and listen to an AFL podcast... uh, and I got some messages from people going, no, nope, I fit that demographic. So it turns out <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really? they have a little league here that's on a Sunday. Uh, there's an AFL, yep. like a Montreal AFL league on a Sunday. And uh, yeah, there's a few people who listen. So a big shout out to anyone in Montreal. Uh, come and see my shows. <laughs> That's good to know because sometimes I'll uh, I'll promote this show uh, using the uh, uh, using Facebook and you can do targeted advertising and it's always really like the lamest most general kind of uh, interest when you're sort of picking your audience but I feel like if I could say Canadians and AFL that we'll we'll, we'll get to the people who need to hear yeah, it yeah absolutely it would be very specific in fact if you were like releasing some sort of pathogen or you know you had to murder somebody you know through that way <laughs> that would be a nice specific way to be able to do it like it'd be like one of those mystery movies where they're suddenly just going i can't see the pattern here oh hang on it's canadians who enjoy afl football (laughs) well if you are going to release a pathogen to uh kill supporters could you please send uh, down to Moorabbin way because I, I get the feeling there's quite a few saint supporters who would like this season to be over now well look here's the thing charlie both of our teams can still make the finals both of our teams are sitting around the same amount of points on the ladder and yet, I don't think that either of us are filled with particular enthusiasm for the football season at this stage. No, they're talking about resting Nick Revolt this week. Like, Alan Richardson has been sort of fielding questions about, like, oh, is this the end for Nick or whatever? And he's like, no, no, this is a, a pre-planned resting period that we had for Nick just to sort of preserve him for the season. And I'm like, Richo, could you do that for me as well? Could At the start of the season, could Charlie Clawson have some, like, games off so I don't have to think about it, so, so, just so I can rest and be fresh for finals? Because I'm getting the staggers, like... Maybe if my team were in the top eight or the top four, like I'd have a bit more enthusiasm. But this thing of sort of hovering outside the eight, is this what it's like to be a Richmond supporter? I imagine, Charlie, basically, you know, what you're saying is that they need to manage their supporters. So it's, and I think you're right. It's a long season. There can be a lot of ups and downs. It can be really hard work if you really invest in it. It would really be great if Richo just came out one week and went, look, we're probably going to put in a shocker this week. Uh, So we'd like to just... uh, Give all our supporters a weekend off. Look, don't come to the footy. In fact, ignore the results. What I recommend you do, it'd be great if you got on like uh, AFL 360 on Coaches Night and just went, if you're a St Kilda supporter, what we recommend is turning off your phone Thursday night and turning it back on again Monday and pretending this weekend never happened. (laughs) Well, I sort of feel like 
they're kind of doing that at the Saints. We made five changes last week, played a guy for his first game, Josh Battle, who was an 18-year-old. And then this week we've gone up to Sydney, made a bunch of changes as well, and brought in uh, Ron Marshall, who was elevated off the rookie list for his first game. So I feel like you don't really do that if you've got the eye on the finals. I think there is this... My feeling with the Saints at the moment is we don't know if Nick Revolt's going to play on, and so we're blooding some young, tall forwards because that's both the kinds of players we've brought in have both been first gamers who are tall forward prospects. And it's like, look, I get it. I'm reading between the lines with what Richo is doing. I don't think he's that confident that he feels like I can field any team and we'll play the Saints brand of footing, we'll win. I think he's like, okay, there is a chance we won't make the finals. In this season there's a chance we will make the finals, but there's also a chance that we won't. So let's see what these young guys I are mean, doing. remember only three weeks ago when the Saints played the best quarter or half of football that anybody had played in the AFL this season? That's the problem. Mm, it is. It is. It's expectation. They, they build me up, Buttercup, just to let me well, down. Well, basically, it's like they've leaked footage from a new film, but they've shown you all the good bits. You're like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. Look at that fight scene. Look at that battle at the end. Look at the special effects. And then you're like, oh, yeah. the rest of the movie was shit. That was all the good bits. So so if St. Kilda was to be directed by someone, they're directed by Zack mm. Snyder. Like in small bits, they look incredible. But then you watch the whole thing, you're like, oh, this is kind of disappointing. Yeah, St. Kilda are very much like a Zack Snyder movie because like, you might enjoy some of it at the time and be blown away from it. But afterwards, when you really start to think about it, You can see a lot of flaws and they really start to unravel. (laughs) (laughs) It was a a round uh, in which the teams that you expected to win kind of won. There was a couple of upsets, but uh, the Sydney... I mean, I don't know why we keep harping on about this, about what a surprise it is in this season of all seasons. But let me just remind everyone that I was complaining after round two that people were bringing out stats like, oh, if you don't win the first two games of the year, then it's very unlikely you make finals. And I kept saying, last year, the Bulldogs won it from seventh. So this year, a team has come from zip and six and us barnstorming into the finals. Of course, that's going to happen. So what I'm saying is, next year, let's get rid of the statisticians. If I was the dictator of the AFL, I'm not killing scientists. I'm killing the statisticians specifically. I I do think that there is that sort of thing where everyone wants to call it, don't they? They go, look, if you don't get two kicks on your left foot in the first quarter, you cannot make finals. But the other thing is that I really think that with the Bulldogs winning, it feels like it's just completely reset everything. Like, no rules apply anymore. Like, anything is possible. So, the most unlikely scenario has got to be the scenario. I mean, the fact that Sydney, who started 0 and 6, are now, with six games to go, flag favourites. Like, flag (laughs) favourites. It's been that kind of year. It's also one of the things, too, where it's like, I've always been of the belief that maybe it's not so bad to lose like, you know, Max Gorn went out in the middle of the year. But that, all that means is he's now freshened up. He's only played half a season. He played five games. If your team can hang in there, then it's not bad to have your star player miss a few games in the middle. So what I think Sydney have done as a whole is gone, let's just start the, the season like, let's only play 16 games for the year and see if we can win a flag. Yeah, maybe way. Sydney are big proponents. Maybe Horst Longmire is just a big proponent of the 17-game season the, 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 where everyone just plays each other once. And so they've just gone, fuck it. We'll just play a 17-round season. We don't give a shit. Well, I think Australians culturally, we're famous for pulling mm. a sickie. And, you know, the least, of work, the least amount of work possible to get the result done. I think Sydney have taken that as a hard as a team. It's like, 
oh, come on, mate, why don't we just fucking, we'll just, we'll just chill for the first six weeks and we'll pick up speed towards the end. We'll, we'll cram, we'll cram in the last eight weeks. You know what it feels like with Sydney? It feels like one of those races where like Usain Bolt has decided to race some people in some sort of charity thing and they start everybody else at like the 40 metre mark and the 50 metre mark and then eventually Usain just plows them down one by one. That's what it feels like with Sydney. Yeah, exactly. The, 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 they're the laydown right. Sally of the AFL. They're like, you know what? We played a grand final last year. We're just going to take a little snooze and don't worry. We'll yeah, come we'll back. come get you. We'll catch up. Hey, you guys go on ahead without us. You guys start your little season without us. We'll catch up. We'll be fine. So if the rabbit and the hare scenario fits and they're the rabbit, they're the one who you know went off and, and was lazy at the start and now bolting towards the finish line, who's been the tortoise? Adelaide? Firstly, I like the, the fact that you originally said that if it's a rabbit and the hare, which is a completely different, I think, scenario. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess like you're so, well, you're slow and steady. Isn't that the idea of Sydney? That's kind of what they have been. They're yeah. the tortoise. So your hare... Your hair yeah. was like, I guess, who was like out and about early on who's kind of fallen apart? No, no, no. I think I think Sydney have been the hair this year because they're the ones who are... So what happens in the tortoise and the hare? The hare like so cocky, he just mucks around and eats carrots or something and then decides to run yeah. at the last minute. But who's been the tortoise? Who's been the most consistent side? It feels like Adelaide. They, I know they had a couple of patches, but they're, they're the ones who feel like they've chalked up the most. They're on top of the ladder. They've just been chalking up yeah, the Yeah, I think Adelaide. And the other one is Richmond haven't had any big losses. Like, that's the thing. For all the Richmond news. Well, two. They've had yeah, two Yeah, but, like, losses. I mean, really they haven't had, like, a compared to the rest of the competition, they're another team that's been pretty consistent. Yeah, that's right. Consistent, ironically... Consistent, uh, Richmond have been consistent. The most Richmondy team in the competition has been well, consistent. Well, you know, in a world gone mad, surely the most sensible thing <laughs> is Richmond being sensible. Yeah, ex- exactly. Hey, should we look at the uh, the first game of the round, which was over at Adelaide? Uh, the Cats took on the Crows in what was uh, ended up being a closer game uh, than what it actually was. Uh, the Crows, 13-13-91, defeated the Cats, 10-10-70. Now, I didn't watch any football at all this weekend because I was travelling internationally, but I did see a little bit of the reporting out of this game. Um, so it turns out, uh, just to prove mm. the point, uh, Rory Sloan has been tagged, what, the last five or six weeks, and it's really affected his game. Mm. Uh, and it turns out that if you don't tag him, he's best on ground. So I'd tag Rory Sloan from now on, guys. And it's also the it was the battle of the uh, um, uh, taggers because uh, Dangerfield and uh, Selwood also got a tag, but it was kind of interesting to watch because you see the way um, players go after like people 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 go after Rory Sloan because he has a reputation, and people go after Joel Selwood because he has a reputation of you know not coping with a tag. But you tag Dangerfield, and it's almost like. That's just the that's just the superfood that gets him going. Yeah, again. danger's like, oh yeah, no, I'm glad I'm being tagged. It's someone up close to see how good I am. Someone I can have a chat to in between <laughs> being awesome. It's good. It's like I've got a buddy. It's a buddy system. Danger often holds their hand on the way out and goes, "This will be great, guys. Just run where I go. It's going to be really good fun." It's funny. It sort of felt halfway through the season that maybe Adelaide's home ground wasn't such an advantage. They lost a couple at home, but now after watching they played the way they played against the Cats, like. You'd say both Adelaide and the Cats have a home ground advantage. Like the Cats away from Candidia Park, it's a 50-50. At home, you sort of bet against the, uh, bet for them. And the Crows are the same. Like if they get two home finals, 
on top of the ladder with their percentage, it's like, okay, I feel like we're getting, we're getting a grand final contender here. Now that GWS have got the shakes, it feels like I, everyone, no one would be surprised and it seems deserved if Adelaide would make the grand final. Well, people here. kind of forget that this time last year, Adelaide were probably firming as premiership contenders or even premiership favourites this time last year as well. And then they had that bad final round where they lost that home ground advantage for the finals and kind of got bundled out. I think they're a better team this year. They've got more experience. Like, yeah, like you said, if you had to kind of pick a grand final right now on the proviso that maybe GWS are getting a bit wobbly, you've got to say Adelaide-Sydney, which will just be great grand final in Melbourne. What a great day. It's funny. Just Adelaide playing s- Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> but just hearing you say that, it's just funny because it's like this is the kind of season where Adelaide could keep this form up for the rest of the home and away season, win two, uh, win two home finals easily, and then lose to the eighth place team in the grand final. Like, no one should feel safe. I'm, I can't believe I'm even sort of saying, yeah, look, they feel like they're the grand final team. Who fucking knows? They could lose the prelim. They could lose the first, the first final. Who oh, fucking knows? I think this season's still got some twists up its sleeve. There's no doubt about that. Oh, and yeah. the idea that you're going to you know, pick something that's predictable, you know, anything could still fucking happen from here on, which is really exciting with, you know, only a few rounds to go that no one really has any idea how it's going to pan out. Now, it may pan out that the team that was the best team in the competition last year, Sydney, uh, turns out to be the best team in the competition this year, and they've just done a little job of disguising it along the way. But, you know, there's still a few surprises up the sleeve, I'd say. I would love to see, I'm hoping that Port finish in the bottom four and an Adelaide finish top four so we can get an Adelaide home final. I think that'll be a cracker, like a a, final, a derby final. I know what it's called, the uh, showdown final would be amazing. Port Adelaide. The, the, speaking of teams that you just can't rely on, like that is, like, like, the, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, they, they, okay, they're premiership favourites. I think I've pretty much said about every fucking team in this competition <laughs> this year, apart from maybe Brisbane and Carlton, that they are premiership favourites. Can Brisbane and Carlton still make the finals? Because that's who I'd put my money on. The least likely thing to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it just sort of it just sort of feels like you own the the, the common wisdom is always oh, if you're fucking ten percent off, you're going to get rolled. It feels like if you're one percent off, it feels like if you lose one player. But then Collingwood lost two players this round, and they beat West Coast with their three goals down. So who fucking knows? What I'm trying to say is, why the fuck are we doing this podcast and speculating on any any games? In fact, we should just we should just not tip. We should just talk about this. Should be a more of a free flowing philosophical podcast about why sport is insane. Yeah, well, I think it is, and I I also <laughs> I also think this is two guys speculating on who the winner of this competition might be. Uh, neither of whom watched much football this weekend. One because I was traveling internationally, and you were at splendor in the grass all weekend. So to be honest, we are the least qualified people to be talking about it, regardless. Well, it's kind of funny when I was at splendor in the grass, I was. Uh, in uh, the, the toilets, which is one of those horrible, giant, you know, uh, public toilets filled with about 100 people. And as I was leaving the urinal, a guy stopped me to say he was a big fan of the podcast. And I thought, how appropriate while I'm surrounded by a piss and shit, <laughs> someone should bring up our podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, what was the next game, Charlie? Uh, let's throw that to Michael. Ah, uh, Yes. This, uh, I did see a bit of this game. Uh, Essendon, 2012-132, defeated North Melbourne, 16-9-105. Uh, it was actually a cracking contest, the first half of this. And um, 
Guess who's not a bad forward for North Melbourne? Jared White, when he's actually on the park. Like, 34 years old, and he's he, when he plays well, you wonder why he hasn't had a better career. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, no, the problem is that he has one of these good games, and then next week he'll, like, you know, punch an umpire, or he'll trip over punch on someone. the weight of the yeah. game, or he'll kick the ball into his own face. Like, you know, that's the problem. Jared White does have one of those kind of old school, crazy 70s, early 80s footballer personalities, doesn't he? Like, you could see him jumping the fence and going to Oh, yeah, he's a maverick. He's one of those guys who marches to the beat of his own drum. But he is. You don't see too many of them anymore. That kind of guy that you're just like, he's brilliant. But he like maybe the downside's so much that the good side's not enough. But, I mean, the start of last season, the first sort of you know eight games of last season, he was maybe even the best player in the entire competition. We, we all know how good he can be. But I want to talk about the other guy. I want to talk about the guy who you've been trying to get inside <laughs> his head, his curly, beautiful head all this season, Charlie. You've been talking about his haircut you've been saying he needs a better haircut and I've been on board and as one of our listeners suggested off of one of our conversations uh, from a couple of weeks ago Ben Brown is from Tasmania so he is the shin boner spirit yeah right that makes a hundred percent well you know that they're talking about um, uh, the AF North Melbourne are talking about getting a women's team uh, out of Tasmania, it's called the Tasmania Kangaroos, which I feel like maybe they've been listening to this right. podcast. <laughs> if they can, if they can ship them to Melbourne for their games on the Shinbone Spirit of Tasmania, then we know something. I mean, that up. would be brilliant if that was the sponsorship deal for the Tasmanian Kangaroos that the girls came over to all the matches on the Shinbone Spirit of Tasmania. And I would like to see if we could go an extra step further. I would like to see the Spirit of Tasmania get a kind of Ben Brown style haircut. So the boat itself <laughs> has the kind of hair just flowing off as it goes across. Or maybe there's something you can put in the smokestacks, you know, like the, 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 there's probably a couple of smokestacks that comes out in like curly hair. So it looks like a cloud of curly Ben Brown style hair as it sails across I mean, Melbourne. if they do have smokestacks, and I'm not sure that they do anymore, but if they do, <laughs> I reckon you have one that's yeah. Ben Brown, you have one that's Jared White. Imagine that, just going across two big tall forwards, smokestacks, brilliant. Yeah, one smokestack's doing the curly hair of Ben Brown and the other one's just overheating and exploding and setting fire to passengers. We've got problems with the weight again. Uh, the weight is down. The weight is down. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that came into this game that I thought was pretty uh, funny was Kale Hooker uh, was playing on a, a, a pretty young North Melbourne defender. I think he ended up kicking like five goals on him. And after each goal, like... He delighted in letting this dude know about it to the point where the commentators sort of like made note of, gee, Kale, like I think those celebrations are going a bit far. At one point, he kicked a goal and he ran up at the guy and what it looked like, he launched at him as if he was going to jump on him. The guy sort of like, you know, braced as if he was going to get landed on by Cal Hooker. But then he just like patted him on the head, Benny Hill style. And in the background, you could see the umpire putting the whistle to the lips to go, oh, if he hits him in the head, that's a free kick. But then put the whistle away because I think the umpire was like, well, this is pretty funny. I'm going to yeah, technically it's out. high contact. But if you're Benny Hill someone, that's an exception to the high contact rule. <laughs> yeah, if you do it yeah. to Gary Ablett, it's completely yeah. and fine. And then he runs around really quickly. <laughs> He's in fast motion. Yeah. It was, there was some discussion amongst the commentators about, is this okay? Like, because I can't remember who it was. It was, it wasn't Gary Lyon, but it was 
someone who's talking about it's bullying. What he's doing is bullying him on the field. But it's okay bullying because, you know, it's sportsmanship. He's trying to rattle the young man's confidence to make it for his team easy to win. And I'm like, I love it. Look, I'm a progressive person myself. I don't think it was bullying. But I love that these old school footy commentators are having to stop and check themselves to go, is this bullying? Are we okay with this? Like, do we need to intervene? It's like, no, this is good. Like, it's not, but I'm glad you guys have raised the right, question. Right, but also the idea that, like, I mean, in sport, we've got to have an exception to a certain degree about bullying. Like, it shouldn't, you know, go off the field. But on the field, I mean, like, you know, if you watch a UFC match, clearly one of them's bullying the other. Like, I mean, there is some sort of agreement that once you go into this sporting field that, you know, as long as it's not, yeah, of a racial or, you know, vilification nature, but if it's like just in the games of sportsmanship, but it just felt like maybe there's a disparate, the problem is that like Carl Hooker's this very experienced, you know, successful player. And if you're playing on someone who's sort of new and whatever, and you're really getting in their face, it's a little bit like, you know, dad giving you a send off when he's bowled you at like backyard cricket at Christmas. It's like, <laughs> calm down, dad. You're an adult who plays cricket and I'm nine. Yeah. I mean, would you think that the AFL should bring in some rules? So just say Kale Hooker, after he kicked the goal, threw this kid on the ground, kneeled on his chest and started slapping him in the face with his own hands and saying, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself. Like, do you think that should be a free kick against Kale Hooker? Or no, is that that's, okay? yeah, that's a free kick. Once it gets into actual bullying. So it's like, pat on the head, fine. Chinese, Chinese burn, no good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you can't kneel on his chest and do a typewriter no. and slap him in the head. And no, you can't page. get Tipper to hold him down and then Hooker farts in his face. Can't do it. <laughs> bullying <laughs> you can't give them the smudgy is what you're saying um Essendon were good though yeah Essendon uh I mean again we've said this a few times yeah. but well, Essendon um you know at their best look like a very good team yeah it looks like Joe Danaher has put all the kind of doubts of the first part of the season behind him he's just playing confidently now and the thing that will get you with Essendon the thing that got us uh the week before was the speed. Like Fantasia, Tipamudi, they got just some super, super quick players through the uh, Apparently, Orazio Fantasia, uh, his nickname is uh, Razzle Dazzle, and um, apparently it's a self-appointed nickname. Apparently calls himself uh, Razzle you Dazzle. Can't, you can't do that, Orazio. It's not possible. You can't... We've, We've discussed this in our other podcast. You cannot give yourself a nickname. In fact, we're, we're going to come up with a new one for you. Of. We're going to call you Of. <laughs> uh, Joe, yeah, Joe a good Watson player. played well, I heard. He was back to a bit of form. Yeah, I mean, I think that they did an article in the Herald Sun, or maybe it was on the AFL website this week, about which players over 30 should stay and which should go, oh, yeah. which club. And... Uh, Job was one of the ones they said you need, this is the kind of player you need even if he's lost a yard or two just having that leadership and 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 um, you know, he's still a good player knows how to just distribute the ball and Jared Waite was another one that said he's worth hanging on to for another season surprisingly Zach Dawson didn't make oh, the cut oh here's the thing like Jared Waite he'd, he'd definitely be worth another season because like realistically he misses like half of each season so he's probably got another four or five good years left in him in which he'll play about nine games yeah <laughs> at the MCG uh, Melbourne 13-10-88 defeated Port 9-11-65 and uh, this was a game that kind of flooded Port a little bit there was, sorry a result that flooded Port because Melbourne were all over them they seem to have got their mojo back 
Gorn and Hogan are back playing. I think Jack Viney's back next week. So people were very excited about Melbourne a month ago, and then they kind of fumb- they did it what Melbourne doing and, and fumbled the ball. But they were good. I mean, it was hard to tell. Charlie Dixon, the Charlie Dixon of old, the Charlie Dixon that you and I have always suspected existed, made a very strong appearance on the weekend. Oh, Charlie Dixon is the AFL's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, except they're both Charlie Dixon. <laughs> yeah, he just he's just got a way of remonstrating that even if he's in the right, if I was an umpire, I'd pay it against him just for being Charlie Yeah, there's Dixon. just something about the cut of his jib that annoys you. <laughs> Everything about him. Like, he didn't have a good game, and everyone is entitled to a bad game. But when Charlie Dixon has a bad game, it's just it's something inside you goes, I knew it. I just fucking Right, and it, it doesn't matter how many good games he's had. You suddenly reverse that, yeah, this is the real Charlie Dixon. He, he can, like, have eight weeks in a row where he kicks six, go- six goals, and then he has one bad game like anyone in the competition might, and you're like, yeah, this is the real Charlie Dixon. Ignore those nine weeks where he kicked 15 goals every game. This is the real Charlie. <laughs> And the bad news for Port out of this game is uh, Chad Wingard looks to be out for a few weeks. I think it was a hamstring or maybe a knee. Uh, Someone fell across his leg, which is not good for footy in general. I mean, I've got no love for Port, but I love watching Chad Wingard play. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's a lower leg injury, though, um, it would be great if it was like between his knee and his ankle so that Chad Wingard had to wear a shin guard. (laughs) (laughs) This is the level of football commentary I have for the podcast this week, guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we did talk about um, Rural Round a couple of weeks ago and uh, part of the promo of Rural Round is they had the country players from each club talking about who's the least rural player at the club and Chad Wingard got a few mentions and apparently the uh, the problem with for Chad is that he's always on his phone and he loves to shop. Loves shopping? Did they yeah. mention... According Did they mention to, what uh, sort of Troy shopping Broadbridge. he was into? Troy Broadbridge. No, not Troy Broadbridge. Who's the, who's the Adelaide guy? Uh, broad, dark hair. Oh, God. You know the one I don't, I'm Charlie. About. Maybe You're not helping me. Sorry, Port. This, <laughs> this is how much I know your team. Anyway, yeah, he seems, to reckon, uh, he seems to reckon that Chad's on his phone and shops too much. Uh, what sort of, was there any indication of what sort of shopping Chad Wingard is into? Is he like an online shopper? No, but in my head, I had like an 80s montage where he's like getting out of like a sports car with like arms filled with like Versace bags, you know? Maybe he's got a sweater knotted around his neck and he's on a Bluetooth as he goes. Oh, yeah. I like to imagine it's like that scene from Pretty Woman, you know, where she comes back the next yeah. time with all the bags and like, you made a big mistake. <laughs> Can I ask you, it seems to be, Michael, maybe you can find some images. Can you just Google Chad Wingard chest tattoo and Cyril Rioli chest tattoo? Because I get the feeling they have the similar tattoo. Because you know Cyril's got that chest tattoo. It's pretty cool where the wings poke out of the sleeves of his jersey. I believe it's exactly the same. I've heard this spoken about before. I believe they may have the exact same oh, really? tattoo. Are you allowed to have the same tattoo? I, Is that weird? I don't... Well... Well, I guess there's a bunch of dudes with Southern Cross tattoos. I don't know if they can. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, but these both guys are both AFL but, players. Yeah, I mean, are they? Do they know each other? Are they related? I mean, if they're buddies and they got the tattoos together, that would make sense. Oh, imagine if they just got like one of those like lockets that you split in half. So they've both got half the tattoo, but when <laughs> they put their chests together, it forms like a massive tattoo. Well, my wife and I have matching tattoos. For our 10-year anniversary, we decided to get 
the same tattoo, just on different sides of our body. So I got mine on my left rib, she got hers on her right. So maybe there's some kind of like, you know, uh, I'm not saying they're romantically involved, but maybe a plutonic friendship, 10-year anniversary, let's get chest tattooed. Or maybe Chad Wingard is single white Cyril-ing it. <laughs> well, I don't think you can single white Cyril, Well, I right? guess, yeah. <laughs> I mean, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> Single and in, single indigenous yeah. male. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's that looks pretty similar. Can Michael? Can you just Google uh, cool. like do Chad Wingard and uh, Cyril Rioli have the same tattoo? Because I would love to see if there's been more discussion about this and somebody can actually clear it up and maybe tell us what the meaning behind the tattoo is. I mean, it would be odd if it's exactly the same tattoo. It's a pretty good tattoo though for Chad. I actually must admit that the certain tattoos I've seen are like. I'm like, I like the way you've tailored that for your job. And when you look at Cyril and you look at Chad's, the, the wings coming out just outside the jersey, like it's a tattoo that you're only going to see like the wings poking out if you wear an AFL jersey, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but it is one of those tattoos, the chest tattoo, which is you basically saying to your body, my body's going to look like this forever. Because eventually when your body isn't an AFL footballer's body, that canvas you know, starts to sag a little and maybe that tattoo doesn't quite look as... It looks like Icarus has flown a little close to the sun on those wings. Are you saying the Mona Lisa wouldn't be as beautiful if it was like hanging four or five inches off the Yeah, if it just... The canvas was just sagging Over the the years kind of flopped. I'm not sure that people would find it as impressive. Well, if they do have the same tattoo, I wonder if... I mean, apart from premiership tattoos... Are there any other players who have the same tattoo? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and I wonder if it's what... Do you have to run well, the, it by the other person? Like, when it's so uh, yeah, iconically distinctive like that, I really do wonder whether you can just go and say, do you just take in a photo of Cyril? And, I mean, we're assuming it went that way, by the way, because I remember having Cyril having it first, right? Would that be what you think? I feel like that, yeah. Oh, they're not the they're same. Not the same tattoo. Well, that's even more annoying. I think if you were Cyril and you just tuned into a port game and then you saw like Chad running around with wings sticking out from the shoulders of his chest, you would assume it was the right. same tattoo, right? Because when they're wearing their jumpers, it looks the same. Okay, so it's only the same when they're wearing their jumpers. But once they're underneath, it reveals to be something different. Okay, nice. All right. Well, good chat. Good chat, guys. You know what, <laughs> you know what they could also do? Is if like t- if if clubs don't want to spend money on new jerseys every year, you just tattoo the players in the jer- in, in the jersey. I mean, yeah, but it's tough come free agency. Yeah, right. Yeah. Good point. That's well. I mean, that's how you know someone's going to stay. If you saw Dusty Martin down at some Richmond tattoo shop getting like the Richmond jumper tattooed, also hard though. Then for away games, you know, you need the alternate strip tattoo. Like, I mean, there's a whole lot of issues. You need the Indigenous round tattoo. You need the Pride round tattoo. Yeah. And when they tell you that they're going to retire your number when at the end of your career, that basically means they're going to flay your skin. Yeah, they, they, sorry. <laughs> like Fritzl style, I hung, you, hung you from the club rafters. We retired uh, uh, Brent Harvey's number after he uh, retired from the game. That's his back up there, hanging up there. That's his dried back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, have you met our new? Uh, have you met our new specialist coach, no. Buffalo Bill? <laughs> yeah, is he getting a massage on Dusty, that table? Dusty, no, they're just uh, rubbing lotion on his skin to keep it nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate, Carl. Let's see the next game. Uh, 
Okay, so the Western Bulldogs, this was the Bulldogs game. Uh, 16-14, 110 over the Gold Coast, uh, who had half of their team out, let's be honest, the Gold Coast. So if the Bulldogs had not won this one, then we were uh, n- certainly not going to make and play in the finals. But uh, this was a good game for us to have, you know, to kind of get ourselves back in a bit of form. Picken, uh, from what I saw, played really, really well, and he's had, I think, an up-and-down season. So it's nice to see some of those sort of players start to fire again. But we just keep losing people through injury this season. And, I mean, in our back line, we have just lost so many of our key players down there that I'm just... I mean, we play Essendon this weekend, and I just don't know who we're going to play on the eight tall forwards and you know, that they have. I mean, Dale Morris broke his arm in two places, and I know he played in a grand final with a broken back last year, but, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where it's really getting hard for the doggies from here. Well, here's a tip. Whatever backman you bring in, don't put your youngest guy on Kyle right. Hooker because that dude will come back after quarter time with a wedgie. I mean, maybe that's the thing. Like, maybe we've got to put, like, somebody... We send out uh, Caleb Daniel. So, Caleb Daniel plays on Carl Hooker. <laughs> so, it really feels like it is bullying. Yeah. You just see him chasing him around to the Benny Hill music. It makes yeah. perfect sense. We're going hey, full Kyle circle. Hooker's picking on that Auskick kid. This is bullshit. I mean, Gold Coast started this game pretty well. They kicked the first three goals of the game. It actually looked like they are all over the dogs to begin with. But then, like you say, just the... The inexperience and, and the experience of the Bulldogs came through. And it's the kind of game that you guys needed. Like, you know, you, you, Gold Coast only kicked out eight goals for the game. And so you won by oh no, over 50 points. So you got the tune-up you needed. It's a shame you got the injury. It would have been perfect otherwise. But it's good to see JJ back in a bit of form. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, now that he's signed and he kind of has settled, I think that's, you know, probably taken a little bit of that off his mind as well. Like, look, you know, they played... They're definitely starting to kind of warm up into it, but I think it might be a little too little too late. The other thing is that, you know, these statistics mean nothing, of course, but we've, we always play really well in Cairns. Like, we have a pretty good record up there, but we've never won the week after coming back. So that also terrifies me a little bit. Yeah, look, I said at the start of, of the episode that we should kill all statisticians, so I wouldn't worry about that particular statistic. Did you see that uh, JJ's been out promoting multicultural around this week and he's donated uh, his Norm Smith and his Brownlow to a, a multicultural display at AFL? Uh, I don't think he won the Brownlow. Oh, sorry, not the Brownlow, his grand final medal. And I was like, how long have I been out of the country? JJ won the Brownlow? <laughs> Hang on, did they give him one of Job? Did Job give him his Brownlow? Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, on, he, he donated the Norm Smith and his premiership medal to where? To a, to a multicultural display at AFL House. For multicultural around, they're doing a little display. And uh, so it's all like, you know, players from different backgrounds. So uh, uh, jumpers and, and um, uh, medals awarded to players from different backgrounds. But his mother donated his baby blanket as part of the display because he was born in South Africa. And it's like the idea being that, you know, he was born in South Africa. They moved to Perth when he was a kid and now he's an AFL superstar. But I couldn't quite make the connection to why the baby blanket was important. It wasn't a particularly South African baby blanket. It just looked like a normal baby blanket with prints of like teddy bears and balloons on it. I guess it was more sentimental to them than anything else. Unless he's... Steve War style, you know, Steve War used to have that little red rag that he would always have tucked into his uh, you know, pants when he was batting and it kind of was like lucky to him. Maybe JJ has like the baby blanket 
pre-game. You know, maybe when he's on the massage table, he gets him to lay down the baby blanket first just so he feels, you know, that, like they're, they're trying to give him... that. Maybe that was what was wrong with the last five or six weeks when he was out of form. <laughs> Apparently, they'd lost Blanky. Yeah, I think JJ is the Linus of the AFL. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just carries his... I mean, during the press conference, he was sucking his thumb and holding the blanket to the side of his head. Um, I thought it was interesting that his mum revealed that they moved from South Africa to Perth because they wanted to go somewhere that was more racist. So, (laughs) hello to all our Perth listeners. Uh, You know what I keep wondering is why Two Meter Peter didn't go, I know he went top 10, but why he didn't go number one in the draft. Uh, Paddy McCartan was the number one tall forward in the draft, but Two Meter Peter seems like, like, the way he's playing, he seems like he should have been like the number. He's like the the Joe Danaher of that draft. Yeah, he's, well, he's one of those big guys. You know, big guy. Well, the same thing with McCartan though. Like, they're just those tall guys take a little while to fire. I mean, we'll get to you know GWS in a bit, but Patton's another example of that. Like, if you looked at Jonathan Patton a year or two ago, you were suddenly like, oh, how did he you know, go as a number one draft choice? He's big. He's never going to be fast enough. He's not. And then this season, you're suddenly like, oh, no, no, no. Once it clicks and they start to get it and your body starts to work properly, you, they can have substantial improvement. But two-meter Peter's been, I think, surprisingly good from the start. Do you have an issue with Bont's hair? Uh, in, in what regard? Is it too long? He, he, see, he seems to need scrunchies all the time. He's always going to get, like, hair ties and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have no problem with anything that Bonty does, to be honest. He can do whatever the fuck he likes. If he wants to rock up one week with a Jack Stevens-style mullet, I'm fine with that. I don't give a shit. I, I would like, if Bont comes one week and he's got hair the same as JJ, I'm fine with that. Do whatever you want. Just keep playing good football. But I do kind of like that he's going with the... It's a very kind of grunge style long hair yes. you know there's, he yeah. could definitely be in Pearl Jam or something like that if he was playing like bass for Pearl Jam with that haircut you'd be like yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah 100% alright Michael let's go into the next game I think I know which one it is Ugh. this is the pride game up in the SCG the Swans 14-17-101 defeated St Kilda 9-5-59 look I don't think anyone was surprised by this result the Swans were all over them from the jump Saints kicked a few goals, but really it was just about, you know, that, that Sydney bandwagon rolling on. Yep. <laughs> okay, moving <laughs> on. I, I mean, they can go all the way. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, all their good players are playing well. They're uncovering new kids. Uh, Sinclair decided to have a blinder, kicked five goals, playing up forward for uh, like a – well, playing the best game he's played for Sydney. Um it just sort of feels like whatever Hanabry was wrong with Hanabry at the start of the season, he's fixed. Whatever was wrong with Kennedy at the start of the season has been fixed. Parker's back playing good form. They're just reminding all of us now that they're a really good yeah, side. Yeah, no, they're fantastic. St Kilda, you know, I think we all know about St Kilda, which is when they are able to play as one and they all buy in, they are a very formidable football side. But if there is any chinks in that armour, then they can be taken apart. And obviously Sydney are just the best at that. And uh, Joey Montagna looks to have done his hamstring, so he'll probably be out for the season. And maybe his career is done. It's uh, That's the question that's been asked. If St Kilda has anything, it's a depth of halfback flankers, distributors. So, I mean, I think? don't know. I feel like Joey could go around again. 
I feel like you could go around again, but that's not like an overwhelming endorsement. I think there's probably about three or four players who could play at the level he does. What I think he has more than those players is leadership. I mean, I'd say it's probably the same thing as Bob Murphy. I'm sure the Bulldogs have got halfbacks who can play as well as Bob Murphy, but what you want is the leadership. Where... We're lacking a bit of leadership at the moment. None of our young guys, there's no real strong candidates. Um, you know, a couple of our, uh, uh, our leadership group, Luke Dunstan and Mav Weller, have been in and out of the, the, the seconds all year. So I'd be inclined. I guess it depends on what happens with the revolt. If revolt decides to hang up the boots, then you definitely hang on to Montagna. But I would like to see them give him one more year, um, even if revolt plays on. Yeah, and, and you think Rui should play on as well? Yeah, just limited game time. I think he, we just play so much better when he's there. I think, like I said, they're, they're having a look at who, who we've got uh, to replace him. Um, and I think he can do that without having to give away the farm. Uh, to quote uh, one of our favourite AFL podcasts, Junk Time, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, I think he contributes enough. He's had enough good games this season um, that I reckon even if he played half the games next year, it would be a worthwhile transition as you bring in some of these younger guys. Hey, uh, speaking of uh, other AFL podcasts, we haven't uh, mentioned Junk Time for a while and it's a really brilliant podcast. I would recommend that people check it out. There's a great one called The Outer Sanctum, which I listen to all the time, which just goes from strength to strength. They're a bit more serious and a bit more interesting, uh, you know, football uh, stories and around football. But something I've been listening to that I've told you off air a bit about, I can't, don't know if I've mentioned on the podcast before, is a podcast called The Sounding Board with uh, Damien, uh, and, uh, Damien Barrett and uh, Craig... Hutchinson, um, your mate Hutchie, yes. the dirty pasture out the back of Eve Nightclub yeah. in the alleyway. <laughs> and I, I really like the podcast because they talk about, you know, sort of behind the scenes and, you know, what's going on behind the media. And Hutchie is actually a really honest and brilliant communicator, I think, in that forum. Like he's really straight ahead and he's no bullshit. And he, I really like the way he talks. I've, I, I must say this last week, because obviously for those who follow these sort of things, he lost his job, you know, hosting the footy show. And the way that he has handled that and the way that he has spoken about that has genuinely given me a lot more admiration for him as a sort of a person and a media performer. Yeah. It's just watching Pash someone outside a nightclub. I reckon all that would go away pretty quick. <laughs> It really has scarred me, Will. I don't care how, uh, how professional he is as a media performer. When you see him tongue-lashing some young lady outside Eve Nightclub, it'll scar you for life. You have pashbacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, you don't watch the footy show, right? I don't either, but... Um, no, who has? Has anyone watched it since... Well, it's one of those things where it's ratings in Melbourne. This is the interesting thing is it's only this year where it's really started to ever kind of lose in Melbourne. Up until this year, other than for special events, it's still been the number one show in that time slot in Melbourne. Now, it doesn't travel nationally very well and it doesn't do great ratings the rest of the country, but they always used to yeah, average over 200,000 viewers a week in Melbourne, which was a pretty good number for a show like that. But this year... I mean, it feels old and creaky. I mean, the big controversy, you know, during the week was that Sam Newman didn't speak for the entire show because they wouldn't let him do his hilarious joke of dressing up like a woman and pretending he'd been nobbing people at the AFL. So, I mean, it feels... (laughs) I mean, it hardly feels like a Lenny Bruce-style, you know, moment to go down on, but... 
I mean, the thing when I think about the AFL footy show, I think about the player reviews and the, the the enthusiasm for which the players had for dressing up like the Spice Girls or Cher or Madonna and lip syncing to one of their songs. You and I actually went to uh, a footy show AFL grand final episode taping. Do you remember I, that? Yeah, I do remember. It was one of the most amazing <laughs> nights of my entire life. That's, I mean, I'll, I'll run you through some of the highlights. Firstly, the review. And while we're at it, why don't we have review round? We have all these other rounds. Yes, go Each idea. team gets to dress up like their favourite sort of... And then you do a song at the start. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think, though, that... Like, let, let them dress up, but let's do, let's just make it cross-dressing. Let's just, they, they seem to want to do it. Let's not beat around the bush. Your favorite female band or artist, you dress up as Beyonce, you dress up as Taylor Swift, and you perform as Ah, uh, You know what? That's not a bad idea, right? Because it's one of those things about getting people more interested in sort of female art forms and, you know, you know females making mm-hmm. their own work. So you get every team and you say, it's a celebration of, you know, female artists around and your team can choose any female artist that they want to celebrate, but they have to choose like one and then yeah. you come, yeah, Beyonce style or it could be like, um, you know, it, it could be, we're all big fans of The Handmaid's Tale. So we've all come dressed as handmaids. <laughs> <laughs> big Margaret Atwood fans. Do you remember uh, at the after party of that grand final show, we, um, we snuck into, they had an after party after the footy show. And Will and I got in and it was filled with all these like footballers like hitting on chicks. And uh, we, we were going around, we spoke to Simon Black, he was lovely. We spoke to um, uh, James Brochaw, he was lovely. And then we got a bit confident with these players and their willingness to talk to us. And we saw Barry Hall tuning some girl at the bar and we barged in and said, G'day Barry. And he gave us a look that to this day chills me to the bone. It was a look that said... You've got less than three seconds to get out of my eyeline. Otherwise, I will crush you like the insect yeah, you are. Yeah, and I've already started counting down from three. <laughs> like everyone was in such a good mood that night and everyone was being so nice to us. But this is also the evening that at three o'clock in the morning, I was put in a headlock at a urinal. I'm there just doing my business. <laughs> and then suddenly I feel this arm around my head and I'm in a headlock at the urinal. And it is Jonathan Brown. And he's... The, the thing I always remember is it'd be like if you gave King Kong a kitten. Like King Kong would be like, I love this kitten, but he'd be strangling and killing the kitten because he's just so big that he <laughs> yeah. doesn't understand that the kitten can't play in the same way as Kong can. That was what it was like with me and Brownie. Yeah. He was trying to be nice and he nearly popped off my head. <laughs> Uh, the Hawks took on the Dockers uh, at Penis Stadium and they beat them 15-10-100-7-6-48. And uh, Hawthorne, you know what, if I was a Hawks supporter, uh, this would be an okay season for me. I think you'd be like, all right, look, we started off pretty badly. There was a lot of talk about our drafting and whether or not we're even going to win a game. But they've shown enough now to go, they're going to be fine. They've had a down year. They've got so many fucking premierships. They're like Scrooge McDuck. They just go home and open their basement and dive into their basement filled with premiership cups and have a swim around to make themselves feel better, knowing that in about a year or two, they're going to be playing finals. Mate, they're the, they're, apart from Sydney, they're pretty much the form team in the competition. Like, I mean, the last four or five weeks, they have beaten so many or, you know, gone close to beating so many good teams. Like, they're in fine form, Hawthorne. Like, that would probably be the biggest... Surprise of all. That's maybe that's what. If I was going to make a wild bet about who might win the premiership this year, I would make my wild bet 
put all your fucking money on Hawthorne at this stage? Because they can still technically make the finals, right? They'd have to have an amazing run to do it, but they can still technically make the finals. Mm. They're playing well enough to do it. Like, imagine that. Imagine if after all this, all these new teams, all this brand new thing, it was the season it was going to be over for fucking Hawthorne, and then they just make a run for it and win it for Hodgie in his last game. Luke Hodge's last game <laughs> is winning his third Norm Smith medal and getting his premiership medallion. That, that's what will happen. You heard it here first. Did you see any of the highlights of this game? No, I, I didn't, know. Look, there's a lot of highlights, there's amazing goals, some wonderful play, but the highlight of the match for me was James Sicily getting a falcon from close range that resulted in a goal to Frio and then having a go at his had a go at the umpire, had a go at his players, and then even had a go at Ruffy at half time and Ruffy was trying to tell him to calm down. It was a dummy spit of epic proportions. And the great thing about it was I think he was trying to he was trying to hide the fact that he was hugely embarrassed that he'd copped a ball in the face from two metres out and then they'd, and then they'd go, scored a goal. So he was trying to kind of like cover it with his, just like it's a sheer aggression and disappointment he wants his team to lift. But all the other players could recognise that he was just hugely embarrassed. So one by one, they're coming up to him and saying, mate, just fucking calm down. Like it was embarrassing. We're definitely playing that up Monday at the review. It'll probably get played at, at, the, at Mad Monday. In fact, this will probably go on the Hawthorne greatest highlights of all time but just fucking calm down but he was just thought if he had enough bluster he could fool people into thinking that it was competitive spirit that was making him right. so angry he did the equivalent of tripping on the street and trying to turn it into a run that's exactly <laughs> what it was he just thought if he just was angry enough after what happened that we'd all forget about the fact that he'd literally had a ball kicked in his face from about two meters away he even had at half time when Ruffy's trying to tell him to calm down Ruffy went up and shoved a towel into his mouth as if to say, shut up, like put that in your mouth. But he still had a red mark on the side of his face where the ball hit him. Oh, is there any chance that he was like, you know, discombobulated from the ball in the face? Oh, yeah, he could, yeah, he was, he could have been concussed. He could have actually been yelling for a taxi for a week. Right. Yeah, you're making fun of the poor guy who didn't know where he was because he got a football in his face. But watching him do that, it made me go, geez, I sort of had a, I've got a bit of a Charlie Dixon-ish feeling about James Sicily, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And then watching him do that, I was like, oh, he's Steve Sanders. He reminds me of Steve Sanders from Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> yeah, okay, I like that. That's a good one. He's got the, you know, the two-minute noodle hair. He's a kind of tall, arrogant jock. And it's like, it's good to see Steve Sanders get a boot and a ball in the face every now and then. Yeah, you got Steve Sanders. Who would be uh, Brandon Walsh? Is that your, who's your kind of good guy? Uh, I'd say Isaac Smith, because he's the cool kind of, hey, you know, hey, hey girls, you know, don't you reckon? Yeah, but isn't that more your Dylan McKay? Who's your Dylan McKay, your broody sort of... Oh, yeah. shit, sorry. That's, 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 um, Jason, oh, no, hang on. Who's Dylan McKay? Who uh, Luke him? Perry. Who's uh, your Luke Perry? Luke Perry, yeah. Yeah, so isn't I'm saying Isaac Smith's more. Yeah, than so Luke who's Perry. your um, uh, Brandon Walsh, Jason Priestley, yeah. Brandon? Well, who's the good guy at Hawthorne? Who's the kind of straight up and down good guy? Not Luke Hodge. Hodge is more of a bad mm. boy. Gunston, yeah, Gunston, uh, maybe. I don't know Hawthorne. Oh, yeah, Gunston. He seems like a straight up and down kind of. Fellow, yeah, and he? you can imagine Gunston and Smith, you know, being friends but being different. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, I'm 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 good with that. <laughs> And Sicily is Steve Sanders. I like it. And who's um yeah, Hawthorne. who's the guy who was married to Megan Fox? Who's that one? 
Uh, Brian yeah. Austin Green. Who's your David? Uh, uh, I would have to be a, uh, like a young gun. Like a, like a heart tongue or something. I reckon he, wasn't he always a bit dorky as well though, David? Like he was kind of like, he wasn't really that cool. I reckon it's... He got cooler yeah. though. So who at Hawthorne kind of started out being a bit boring but it's got a bit cooler? That's the kind of vibe you've got to go with. Um, Chance Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Richmond, 9-10-64, had a win in uh, pretty trying conditions against GWS, 6-9-45. Uh, look, the talk around this game is that GWS just don't want it enough. That they, When it's the ball's in their court, they're a good team, but then the rain came in and they just don't want it enough. I don't know I agree with that. I just reckon that Richmond are playing really good football. Yeah, Richmond are really good. And GWS have been, you know, having their bit of the season where through injuries and through a bunch of other things, through the fact that Toby Green won't stop punching people. <laughs> oh, my God. Toby Green won't stop punching people. He I loves mean, for it. a guy who is so punchable himself, I guess that maybe that's what it is. Maybe he punches people first before they punch him. He knows that he's got a punchable head and he realises he's got to be constantly on the attack. I mean, when he got dragged and Leon Cameron jumped on the phone, like Leon Cameron, they cut to him after it happened and he was rubbing his temples the way like a parent who has like a, a, like a 10-year-old with ADD uh, at the playground, like that, he just was like, oh God, he's doing it. I'm going to have to fucking go and talk to those parents, aren't I, aren't I? And Toby Green jumps on the phone, and I, I, I'm lip-reading, but Toby Green said the equivalent of, well, what else was I supposed to do? <laughs> he does. And that's what Toby Green, you're absolutely right about. The, he does remind you of the sort of parent at the, like, you know, it's, it's some adorable little kid who is pushing all the other kids off the monkey bars. Yeah. Like, he looks like a Cabbage Patch kid, but you know how, like, when the Cabbage Patch kids were huge, there were those Garbage Pail kids, right. which were like the evil inversions of the Cabbage Patch kids. Like, Toby Green is the Garbage Pail kid. He's like Punchy Peter or something. <laughs> um, was there anything else out of this game? Who, who played well for Richmond? Did you, What was the Richmond story here? Martin. I heard Martin played well. Again. Well, I didn't know... I, I only watched the highlights of this game, um, but yeah, no, it looked like dusty. Dusty. It was a pretty because the the conditions were so wet. It was just more a case of it was a, a pretty good team effort. Um, the story, the biggest story, was just that GWS dropped away so badly. I mean, they were in the contest for the first kind of half or so, quarter and a half, and then Richmond came storming home. And Richmond now, they were talking about it on uh, Access All Areas. They're saying they've lo- only lost six games, but four of those have been by under like a goal and then they had two games by about 40 points each and then half the games they lost by a goal what well, you know were, were games they could have won anyway so if Richmond can iron out their flakiness then who knows but let's be honest Will they will never iron out their no. flakiness in fact if there's no flakiness they'll iron some in what did you I, what, well, I said what, if there's no flakiness they'll re-iron some in that's the Richmond way Charlie there's got to be flakiness. They're literally a flake. If a flake doesn't have any flakiness, then it's a fucking chocolate bar. It's just a plain chocolate bar, Charlie. And that is not Richmond. They are a flake. Yeah, they are, they are, they are a flake. But they are also flakes who this season could be... I mean, dare we dream, Will? Dare we dream of a Richmond I mean, if my team can't play in the finals, 
I got to be honest with you. That's the one I'm probably going for. Like Richmond going the whole way uh, is what I think I would be. Uh, that, I mean, not that I think it's most likely to happen, but it is the one that would capture my imagination the most. A Richmond-Sydney grand final would garner the same kind of Australia versus Sydney as last year's grand final. Like I could totally get behind Richmond in a grand final against the Swans in the same way I got behind your team last yeah, year. Yeah, Richmond against any interstate team would be fantastic for a Victorian final, I imagine. Because can you imagine the Tiger Army, particularly because obviously, for those who don't know, Richmond's literally their area is where the MCG is. Like, you know, Punt Road is like walking distance down the line. So you're in the heart of Richmond territory already. Can you imagine them up against either Adelaide or Sydney on grand final day? That'd be amazing. Yeah, I mean, let's make that happen. I mean, how do we do that? We can't rely on Richmond to do it. So how do we make that happen? <laughs> Alex Rance. Alex Rance. He, he's, that's how you make it happen. Yeah. Dusty Martin and Alex Rance. That's how you make it happen. Trent Cotchin's playing well again. That's well, how you make it happen. If you, if, if, if you can't win a, a premiership with the players, the quality of, of Dusty and Rance in your team, then maybe you'll never win one. Uh, at the MCG... Uh, Collingwood uh, had an upset victory against uh, a team that are known as flat track bullies, Will. Uh, 13-15-93, defeated with the West Coast Eagles, 13-7-85. I mean, good on Collingwood for a start. Like, is, do they really want to make it hard for Collingwood to have to fucking make a decision about Buckley or not, don't they? I mean, they're doing the right thing. He's staying. He's staying. He's definitely staying. I don't, I don't care what happens from here on in. He's staying. They obviously, the players want him to stay. I mean, there was that moment after the ground, I saw a bit of reporting where they all just went and gave him a hug, didn't they? Yes, 100%. I mean, the thing is, they had their backs against the wall. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They were two players down, they were three goals down, two players down and three goals down with like 15 minutes to go. And then, I don't know, man. We talk about Richmond being flaky, but West Coast... Adam Simpson did an interview today where he was very defensive and he brought up a stat that I was not aware of where he said they've won the third most games of the last few years. Like, they are the third most successful team of the last three or four years, which doesn't, like, anecdotally gel in my mind. I don't think of one of the most successful clubs of the past few right, years. Right, but also, that's also not a thing that you want to bring up when you haven't had that, like, eventual success. Like, it's almost, it almost makes your case worse. Like, it's almost one of those things of going, well, look at how good we should be. Like, we won all the time. Well, they strike me as, like, Adelaide of a few years ago where they seem to have all the tools, but the coach just couldn't get them across the line. So, maybe it is Adam Simpson. Yeah, look, I mean, I think they're just one of those teams that they are missing Nick Nat incredibly this season I think that's one of the the big things I mean obviously he is probably their best and most dynamic player and he's been out for you know the entire season so that makes a pretty big difference and yeah look I mean they've had you know an up and down season but they can still play finals I mean this is the other thing about West Coast like we often talk about them on this podcast like they're no good but you know they'll probably still play finals and Collingwood won't so (laughs) yeah and another interesting thing that came out of this interview with Adam Simpson today is that uh, our favourite player, Mark Lacroix, the Frenchman, <laughs> uh, they don't refer to him as the Frenchman. They refer to him as Lecker. Well, that's shit. Stop that for a start. 
No Real wonder he's shit. not playing well in Victoria yeah. when you're calling him Lecker. Call him the fucking Frenchman like he's meant to be called. Well, it actually made me wonder where that came from. I seem to remember hearing a commentator calling him the Frenchman. Mike Al, can you do a bit of research on Marc Lacroix and find out, like, just Google Marc Lacroix, the Frenchman, and see if it's a very obscure reference that Will and I have just hooked onto, or if that is his widely known nom de plus. So, <laughs> uh, I did say that uh, David King, Kingy, uh, got out of the lab and he'd been doing some uh, experimenting down at the lab and he made the call... Uh, that it was pretty much all over. They shouldn't pick Lacroix again, which, big call from Kingy on the Frenchman. Well, that's uh, Adam Simpson, that's what he was talking about. He was like, look, he's been out of form for four or five weeks, but we have great faith in the Frenchman. Uh, Macron is like a new prime minister. Uh, you know, France is on the move again. And maybe the Frenchman is back on the move. He, Adam Simpson, I've disappointed you in the last few weeks. But the Frenchman just needs one more chance. Don't shut the door on me now. I can smell victory like a fresh baguette. Being back to the finest Parisian bakery. <laughs> well, he, Mark, uh, your player review, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's really going badly. Do you, will you insist on doing that accent? Oh, sacre bleu! You are cast dispersions on the Frenchman's heritage, but I am of French, bro- French blood, and I have a wrist I can't say L's or R's properly. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm going into two racist accents now. Um, <laughs> oh. Mike Al's saying there's nothing on Wikipedia about him being called the Frenchman. Not on Wikipedia, Mike Al. Do a wider search on Google. <laughs> Um, look, we're, we're, we haven't just invented this, have we? Like, he is the Frenchman, right? I'm sure I've heard people say it before. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way that we invented the fact that he is the Frenchman. But here's the other thing that we've got to um, remember about the Frenchman is that he's been playing without his best buddy. You know, that's the problem. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, Pinky and the Brain. You know, the Brain's no good without Bert Pinky. Bert Nerny. Yeah, Exactly. I mean, when is J.K. coming back? I thought it was too far away. Maybe he's too busy making bloody hilarious videos. Did he videos. play or not on the weekend? I thought he was back on the weekend, but he didn't. He didn't play on the weekend. Oh, was he? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't see it. All right, let's go to the last game of the round where the Brisbane fucking Lions, seventeen ten, one hundred twelve, defeated everybody's favourite team, the Carlton Blues, eleven sixteen eighty two. Fuck, man. They were talking about applying for a priority pick this year. They're not doing themselves any favours. You've got to be happy about it if you're Brisbane. They have shown some real signs, some encouraging signs. And their best players, I mean, I know that this is a thing that we've talked about a little bit, but Zorko is having an incredible season. And, you know, their midfield is dynamic and Hipwood Oh man, like you just got to be excited if you're a Brisbane fan about like the football that he is going to play and you know for your team. There's some real there's a lot of stuff to love if you're Brisbane, I reckon. 100%. And they'll get another top 5 draft pick. I mean, Dennis Pagan, Dennis Fagan, Martin Pagan, Fagan Hagen uh is a good coach. Like he's obviously the players are playing for him. He seems like a lovable dude. Um, but he's getting the best out of that team. Four wins for the year was more than I would have given. Yeah, absolutely. And some good wins. That's the other thing. And they've played, like, I reckon there'd be, I mean, maybe this is not true, but I reckon there's every game, there's probably been a quarter or or like maybe even a half that they've been in it or they've played pretty good football. So if they can just manage to do that consistently next season, you could see a lot of improvement in Brisbane. It's not like they're hanging on, you know, with a couple of old players who are getting them across the line or anything. Like it's all, you can imagine it's mostly upside. 
Youth. Yeah, 100%. Like, this is the same kind of season like last year for Essendon. We're like, well, look, we're not going to play finals. And if we sneak a few victories, then I'm just going to enjoy them. And there is a lot to like about them. The pressure will be on next year. Like, that's the thing. St Kilda surprised a lot of people last year by doubling the amount of wins we had. And then we had a fairly mid- we're having a fairly middling season this year. So, look, I don't know where the expectations are in Brisbane, but they seem to have all the right developing players in all the right positions. They've got key position, they've got midfield, they've got defenders. If they can get another good player in the draft, then who knows? Yeah, absolutely. No, exciting times for Brisbane. And, you know, good news for you that Carlton seem the wheels have fallen off a little bit. So their big comeback, uh, you know, it's pretty much since you doused cold water on Carlton, it feels like that moment onwards they have not been going that well. In fact, I'm going to say that perhaps it was directly because of your comments that you've got inside their head. You've got inside Carlton's kitchen, Charlie. Well, I think it's also they've had a fair few injuries over the past few weeks, but I'm happy. I'm happy to see them level out. Look, I don't want Carlton to be a basket case. I don't want them to win no games. I just don't want them playing finals. I don't want people... Well, do you know what it is? It's actually not the case of I don't want them playing finals. I just don't want people excited about a Carlton resurgence. If they're going to come back, then we should all decry that. As long as we can all get on board being against their comeback, then fine. Let's see what happens. Begrudging at best. That's that's as much as you can do, you've got to be begrudging about it. Exactly. Don't enjoy this. Like, I mean, a minnow shouldn't enjoy being eaten by a shark. (laughs) (laughs) Should we look ahead to next week? Yes, why not? (laughs) Okay, Mm. on Friday night, uh, Mike Howell's Hawks take on the resurgent Sydney Swans at the MCG. Fuck, this will be a cracking game. What a great game of football. And... Um, obviously Sydney are on their roll. They're playing fantastic football, but this is the exact sort of game with Hawthorne in the form that they're in at the moment. And just, you know, a little bit of life left in the old legends that Sydney are due to lose one because at some stage Sydney have to, like, they, you can't imagine that they're just going to not lose another game for the rest of the season. There's got to be one that they're going to lose against the Hawks at the MCG, Friday night footy. What's your pick, Charlie? Uh Luke Hodge is going to call your dentist because Luke Hodge is knocking out some teeth. I mean, would there be any other team besides maybe Geelong where Luke Hodge would be just fucking doing elbow weights all week? Like, I don't reckon he's done any skills or anything. I just reckon he's been sitting there with a weight, a dumbbell strapped to his elbow, and he's just been doing little lifts like this, just practicing the little fucking, just a little lift. You see him down the club with a file on his elbow, just sharpening it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, I reckon this is. I was just going to say, this is one of those games where I guess Hawthorne could do a lot for the rest of the competition by really kind of, you know, hurting a couple of Sydney people. I guess that's the best chance that the rest of the competition have is that Hodgie goes on a spree and kind of murders a couple of them this week. Well, it's his last chance to have a crack at Buddy as well, you know. They'll be in the same part of the ground. They're former teammates. They're probably best mates. They probably went to each other's weddings. I reckon Hodgie would have a little farewell present for, for Buddy yeah, somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. So that'll be great fun. Um, I'm going to say, oh, gee, this is one of the, okay, you know what? I'm going to go for the upset. I'm going to say Hawthorne are going to beat Sydney on Friday night. I'm going to pick the Swans. Yeah, no, fair enough. Quite sensible, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> At Blundstone Arena. 
the North Melbourne Kangaroos are taking on the Demons in what is really a must-win game for Melbourne. They've got a bit of mojo back. They're good players. I think Jack Viney should be back for this week. But I tell you what, Will, when you're playing at Blundstone Arena, since they've uh, fixed that stadium, they've got a direct pipeline uh, coming into yeah. the ground, into the Kangaroos change rooms. Do you know what it's piping into their, to their dressing rooms? I have rooms? no idea. Tell me. Pure shin bonus spirit. Pure unadulterated shin bonus on spirit. It's going to get them going, Will. They're all going to take a little whiff. They're going to stand over the air vents in the dressing room. Brad's going to tell the fellas to take a knee, put your nose over the vent and breathe in deep for a better shin bonus spirit. Uh, Melbourne for me. North Melbourne, it's not, North Melbourne will play well and then lose because they don't want to win. I mean, I'm not saying they're tanking. I know there was some fucking yeah. press this week about them tanking. I don't think in any way they're tanking. They're playing pretty well and they're having a crack. But there's no real great bonus for them to win this game. No, and also they're not a very good football team in Melbourne, are, so I also will pick the Demons. Uh, GWS and Frio, it's spotless. Oh, I mean, really, like, I, Frio had their flutter months ago. And this this should be, but fucking who knows? Toby Green's not there. Michael Walters is out. Two of their best players. Hmm. No, Frio couldn't possibly win, could they? Could they do it for Zach Dawson, knowing that he's not going to be around no. next year? <laughs> okay, I think yeah, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Over at Adelaide Oval, Port Adelaide will be taking on St Kilda. No Chad Wingard. Charlie Dixon's a dickhead. What do we say about this game? This is the sort of one that if St Kilda are going to be any chance this season, yeah, they've got to take a scalp at some stage and Port Adelaide in Adelaide would be that sort of scalp. But Port... We've taken a few, scalp, we've taken a few scalps this season, but too many times this year I've heard the phrase, if St Kilda are going to play finals, they're going to win this game, and we don't. <laughs> and I just kind of feel like... To be honest, I, I just... I feel like... I feel like... Not that we're intending to lose, but I feel like Alan Richardson has sort of he's hedge, he's he's playing it both ways on this season. He's not gunning for finals. He's playing young players. I feel like he will select a team that he wants to give their role. But if we don't win, then he's like, well, look, we've got Hawthorne's number one draft pick. Uh, we'll reset for next year, and I, I think we'll we'll be better for it next year. I think we'll be a better team, more settled next year. But. Uh, I'm going to pick the Saints because I always do, but I, I think Port will win this by about five. Yeah, goals. I think Port are probably going to win as well. They need to. At Metricon Stadium, Gold Coast take on a resurgent Richmond in the kind of game that Richmond could lose. Yeah, absolutely. If Richmond are going to do something very Richmondy, losing to Gold Coast would be that thing. Um, Ablett might be back, and they're always much better with Ablett in the team. Uh, but I can't see Richmond losing this one. If Richmond are going to be a serious contender this year, then they're going to win this as well. Yeah, I just, I feel like in the Richmondiness of it all, this doesn't feel like the game to No, nah, this is, so this is old school finals. Richmond. This is like your, your last yeah. year's Richmond where we'd be happy with them going to the Gold Coast and losing a match and we'd all sit around and laugh and go, ha, 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 how Richmondy. But I feel like... We're sick of those yeah. stories, Charlie. We're looking at a bigger thing this season, and yeah. I don't think it's losing to Gold Coast, so I'm going to say Richmond. Yeah. 
Yeah, they need to lose a final yeah. this year. Like they need to lose a semi or a prelim to, to to put the next chapter in the Richmond story. I will also pick Richmond. Carlton versus Geelong at Etihad Stadium. The Cats. Yeah, the Cats. <laughs> no commentary on this game. I feel like Carlton will put the cue in the rack. On Sunday, very interesting contest here. Your boys, the Western Bulldogs, take on the mighty Essendon Bombers at Etihad Stadium. This will be a quick, quick, quick game. I think you'll find this will be uh, what they refer to as an eight-point game, Charlie. Because it really is. one. The team that wins this probably, well, has a good chance of playing finals. And the, the team that loses probably has no chance of playing finals. So, um, Essendon, I've, I think, probably will be pretty good against us. I mean, that tall forward line. We, we traditionally have trouble with teams that have high marking tall forwards like we don't have a very tall back line it doesn't work very well um they have a really brilliant midfield i mean obviously with merit um playing such great football um i think this is going to be a very very tough game for the bulldogs to win but obviously like i said if if we're going to play finals we have to win this game so i'm going to pick the bulldogs like i always do but i would say with not much with about the same confidence that you have uh that st kilda will beat port i think yeah, I uh, I haven't tipped against the Bulldogs much this season, but they have let me down many times. So I'm going to take uh, I'm going to I'm going to take some notice of that and say the Bombers yeah, sensible <laughs> makes sense. Colling, Collingwood <laughs> versus Adelaide at the MCG. Now this is interesting though because Collingwood, you know, MCG Adelaide are finals favourites. Wouldn't it just be great? as like a story if like Collingwood were able to beat Adelaide. That'd put the the cat amongst the pigeons uh, about Bucks' job. I feel like if the Pies had lost to West Coast, they would have won this game because their backs really would have been against the wall. But because they had their tails up, this is the kind of game that they'll probably lose. Uh, It has to be. I mean, Adelaide were pretty impressive and their finals bound. It's the MCG. If they're any good, they'll win. But it's this kind of season. Oh, fuck. I don't know. I feel like I haven't tipped one upset this week. Maybe I should tip this one. I'm going to do it. Collingwood to beat the Crows. And that's my lock of the week. I reckon if Collingwood beat the Crows, they won't just hug Buckley, the players at the end. They'll give him a hand job each. (laughs) And that's my lock of the week. week. (laughs) I think Adelaide are going to win that game. Uh, And then the final game of the week. And that's my jack of the week. (laughs) The final game of the weekend is uh, the West Coast Eagles uh, over at Domain Stadium playing the Brisbane Lions. Uh, I mean, Brisbane had a good game, but now they're playing the Eagles on their turf. I can't see Brisbane getting up. It wouldn't be amazing if they did. I'd love to see the Lions win this game. In fact, I hope they do, but I, I can't. Uh, the French, the Frenchman took a cat, Eagles, if he plays. Yeah, no, I'm West Coast on this one as well. West Coast will just keep trotting along. They'll make the finals, and then we'll see what happens from there. Okay, well, that's it uh, for the episode. Do you need? Have you got more shows in Montreal to plug for your very specific brand of? Yeah, fan? if uh, those two people who listen to the podcast in Montreal uh, <laughs> haven't been to the show already, I'm doing the entire week of my show, Critically Will. I'm also doing a bunch of other shows around town, but uh, come and see Critically Will because that's obviously the one that um, you know uh, I'd like people to come and fill up the room. That'd be brilliant. We had the first night last night, and it was. Uh, Really great fun, really good crowd in and uh, nice fun show. So uh, thank you to everybody for supporting it. Our other podcast is called Tofop and we are doing uh, two shows, uh, two live shows at the Sydney. No, I think, I think the first one's sold out. Well, yeah, but we are doing two shows. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> but if you want to come see it, we're only doing we're only doing one show. We are doing two shows at the Sydney Opera House, one of which may be sold out, but there are tickets available to the second one. But I will say, uh, I got a little report on how many had sold to the second one yesterday, and it is selling very fast, the second one as well. It's almost half full, the second show as well. So if you want to come and see those shows live at the Sydney Opera House, then I would say get in as quick as possible. Yeah, I mean, Tofop is a bit like this show, just that it's not about football. But there's the same amount of, the same, the same type of meandering conversation. Uh, we also have a website, which is tofop.com, T O F O P.com, which stands for 30 odd foot of pod, which is a Russell Crowe joke, which was funnier seven years ago, but you know what, we've stuck with it. Um, you can find this show, uh, our other podcast, Tofop, and a, and a bunch of other podcasts that we do uh, all in the one place. Um, you can also find us on iTunes and Facebook. If you like this show, uh, please rate us on on iTunes because it sort of helps with the rankings and you can also go to our Facebook page if you want to give us some feedback we read all the messages we read all the comments so uh, go to our Facebook page and uh, and leave a comment yeah absolutely and the thing I was going to say also is my uh, podcast philosophy which is on that Tofop site uh, there's actually a new one there's a new philosophy this week, so it's a very irregular podcast series at the moment, but there is one with Tim Ferguson, which is really good, and there's a couple of new fofops up. There's one with the guys from the Weekly Planet, uh, which is really brilliant, and that is a brilliant podcast. Uh, people have been enjoying that, and um, there's also one with Gareth Reynolds. Gareth and I got together um, and did a nearly two-hour fofop, so they're both up at the moment if people want to check those out. You should get like an AFL player onto Willosophy for a bit of crossover. Oh, I would definitely. I mean, I'd love to get Bob Murphy on at some stage. And I was thinking about getting uh, Bevo on if he would do it. I think they'd both be brilliant. But I'd love to get Paddy Dangerfield. I'd love to get Paddy Dangerfield on Willosophy. I reckon he'd be fantastic. So, Danger, if you're listening, you're probably not because uh, you're too busy in your eight media jobs and being the best player in the AFL. But at some stage, if you want to sit down with me and do a Willosophy, that'd be cool. And if you want to support our show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP where you can donate any amount, uh, which helps us uh, keep this show running. It enables us to uh, uh, keep Michael up at 5 a.m. in Portland, Oregon, so he can produce the show. It enables James Fosdyke to do artwork for us. It enables us to do live shows, which we are doing after the grand final, I believe, with the, the fellows from Junk Time, Michael Chamberlain, Adam Rosenbachs. Yeah, the day after the grand final, uh, as we did last year, there'll be a big... Uh, kind of crossover show, a post-grand final live show. So we'll give you all the details of that when uh, they are available and on sale. Play on, not 15. Ball. We are two guys.